The Second Act of the Amazons, a farcical romance by Arthur W. Pinero. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The scene is the same as in the preceding act. Fiton, the gamekeeper, an old man, is sitting and smoking a clay pipe while a dog lies near him. Calling in the distance. Fitton! Fitton! Rising and putting his pipe away. Here I be, my lord. He opens the gate. Thomason enters, followed shortly by Wilhelmina, and after a brief interval, by Noeline. The three girls are in clothes fashioned after the style of a man's shooting suit, cordray coats and waistcoats, tweed knickerbockers, shoes and gaiters, everything very smart and natty. They carry their guns. Catch you waiting, Fitton. Not you, my lord. Good afternoon, Joe. Afternoon, my lord. Well, Joe, how are you? Glad to see you back again, my lord. What's the programme? I thought we'd try the plantations first, my lord. That'll do. Get us back to tea. What time, Billy? Ewett will be here with the tea basket at a quarter to four. We'll work up towards Silverthorn Coppice after tea. Birds be feeding there about sunset. Get along, boys. Thomason, Wilhelmina, and Noeline go off below the hedge, Fitton following with the dog. After a pause, de Graval comes hastily behind the hedge and clambers over the gate, calling, Tweenways, my friend. Tweenways runs up, attempts to climb the gate, falls over, and is caught by de Graval. Sitting, much agitated. Confound the thing! Looking over the gate, then joining Tweenways. They have stopped running. An ancestor of mine, Ugtred Fitzbray, called the uncomely, brought inevitable destruction, so the legend goes, on those whom he cursed in anger. Curse these cows! First we come face to face with the deer, we leave them. Then we come face to face with the bulls, we leave them. Then... Oh, it's a beastly park. This is the only decent bit of retirement. Walking about impatiently. But here we do not meet the ladies. Here we shall never meet the ladies. Pardon me, if the ladies are out, they must come here to get away from the cows. One thing we may congratulate ourselves. We have lost Barrington. Ah, yes, we're rid of Litterly. Pacing up and down angrily. We soon tired him out. I am glad. To our company, three is too much. Don't you know? His society has already become intolerable to me. The boundless self-sufficiency of the man. Once, when he trod on my foot, I was within an ace of cursing him. I doubt his breeding, too. The idea of his tracking a pretty face from town in this way, the circumstance of his turning out to be the lady's cousin, doesn't excuse him. I believe he simply met her in a shop and followed her about like a snobby cad. It's an accursed impropriety. Heavens, is chivalry extinct? What, eh? With a little groan. Tweenways, my friend, I am hungry. Hungry? I feel like a disused vault. Bah, it is an hour past my lunch. You forget, you did breakfast. I didn't. I may tell you, we, 
We never breakfast. Turning away. We, we, we. If we miss our midday meal, we have acute sinking of the stomach. My aunt quotes a quaint old quatrain. In the battle, let the strongest, who the bold Fitzbrays would scatter, seek out those who've been the longest, parted from their cup and platter. We, my friend, I'm tired of your we, we. Monsieur de Graval. La, la, la. Leave the park, leave the park. Facing Tweenways excitedly. Possession is nine points of your law. You forget yourself. First come, first serve. Contemptuously waving his hand under Tweenway's nose. Don't you know? Ah! They separate and walk about. Then they stand apart, eyeing each other furtively, advancing to Tweenway's hesitatingly. Pardon me. To himself, struggling inwardly. Can I? Tweenway's at length offers de Graval two fingers. Dubiously. My friend? Literally strolls along below the hedge, smoking. Tweenways and de Graval exchange looks of disgust. Sitting. Seen anybody? Not we. What have you been doing, my dear Barrington? Having a bit of lunch. Advancing eagerly. Where, where, where? Pointing over his shoulder. Found a most delightful rural inn close by. The checkers at Little Overcoat. I say, if you two would like to patronise it, I'll watch here for the ladies winningly. Accept my thanks, but I prefer not to quit my post. We, we never. Nor I too. I will not leave the park till I have seen Wilhelmina. All right. You please yourselves. Tweenways and de Graval walk about aimlessly. After a pause. What did they give you to eat? Grilled bacon. Oh. oh! They go off quickly, below the hedge, Tweenways dropping onto his hands and knees and disappearing into the thicket. <laughs> Ten pounds to a button, they follow that path to the left instead of crossing the brook. I say, keep to the right, you fellows! He goes after de Graval. Directly he has disappeared, Noeline enters, below the hedge, leaning on Thomason's arm. How did you manage to come such a cropper? Put my foot in a rabbit hole. What's your ankle like now? Oh, better. But my wrist, I can't hold my gun. She sits on the tree stump, placing her gun against the tree. Poor old man. Holding her wrist. Don't mind me. Go after Billy and Fitton. Shan't. I'll pick you up in a few minutes. Moving her hand. It's easier already. There is a sound of a shot in the distance. That's Billy's gun. To herself. Oh, the sneak! Thomason runs off unnoticed by Noeline, literally reappears, seeing Noeline and speaking to himself. My boy, my girl, my cousin! He rustles the fallen leaves with his stick, without turning. Oh, do go. I promise to join you in five minutes. Approaching her. Eh? Rising with a gasp and facing him. Sir! You, you weren't speaking to me. I... I... I don't know you. My name is Litterly. 
Lord Litterly. Staring at him wildly. You? Lord Litterly? You must be one of the ladies Beltabet. Lady... Noeline. I say, we're related. Nodding, still unable to remove her eyes from him. Yes. There's no love lost between your branch of the family and mine. I suppose we don't shake hands. Certainly not. No. I thought I'd raise the point. Pulling herself together. I... I am sorry to have to tell you, you were trespassing here. Yes. Yes, I suppose I am. Strolling up to the gate. I say, pretty park. Pardon me, my bootlace. He puts his foot on the bar of the gate and ties his bootlace. To herself, clenching her hands. How can he have found out I am the young fellow he carried home to his lodgings? The cad, to take advantage of it like this. My cousin, too. The cad. Oh! Taking up her gun as if to go, then turning to Litterly, haughtily. I don't assume that you are ignorant of the way in which my mother has trained her children. No, no, don't assume I'm ignorant. Nor do I think it worth while to defend, and to you, the lives we live here. I must say, however, that I can see only one possible disadvantage attached to our mode of existence. Taylor's bills? Going. I mean the necessity for regarding uninvited guests as unmannerly intruders. Ain't you, Nolene? Do stay a moment. I fagged down here, thinking I was perhaps going to render somebody a trifling service. A service? Just sit down a minute. Now do. Looking about. Take a— Pointing to the tree stump. Take a stump. Do. After a moment's irresolution, she returns and sits, defiantly nursing her gun, standing near her. Thanks. This is how it comes about. Do you mind going further off? Not a bit. Looking round. Ah, the Ottoman. He sits on the gate. During the scene which follows, he watches her closely, but playfully, telling his story with great relish. She listens intently, with her back turned to him, to herself after glancing at him. The utter cad. Lady Nolene, this is my little story. The night before last, as I was walking home from my club, a young gentleman, who had evidently got himself into some bother, ran straight into my arms, and, having arrived there, stayed there. The poor young chap had fainted. Well? I was puzzled what the deuce to do. He seemed a nice young fellow. I say, what would you have done? I, I really don't know. I'll tell you what I did in the end. There was no one about. I couldn't drop him into the mud or hand him over to the police, could I? Oh, no, you couldn't have done that. No. I hailed a cab and took him off to my lodgings. He did seem such a nice young fellow. Breathing. Will you please go on with your story, if you must tell it me? Certainly. Where was I? Oh, yes. He did seem such a nice young fellow. I don't want to hear what sort of young fellow he appeared to be. No, no, it doesn't really belong to the story. Well, I took him home and carefully deposited him on the sofa. To herself. Cad. He was a good-looking Johnny. Lord Litterly. I beg pardon. That's nothing to do with it. By and by he came round, but I didn't succeed in making much of him. 
i fancied he was off his head which reminded me that he'd lost his topper so i offered to lend him a cap i say who should have seen the way he grabbed at it and he bolted down my stairs and in point of fact hooked it getting off the gate now this is the story it was a new cap he hadn't even said thanks for the loan of it and that riled me so down i went after him and followed his cab to a house in chesham street <laughs> what do you think of that i-i fail to see the smallest necessity for you to-to have followed this person about it was a brand-new cap you might have known it would be returned to herself recollecting oh well i did follow him and there it is now notwithstanding his bad form he still struck me as being a nice young fellow rising i cannot yes now i think of it that does belong to the story looking at her fixedly he seemed such a nice young fellow that somehow i couldn't drive him out of my head and next day i found myself hanging about that house in chesham street hesitating whether i'd go and bang away at his door with her eyes averted what for still watching her intently what for well there was the cap a paltry cap a new paltry cap however i didn't knock i'm such a slow man but early this morning i was in chesham street again and while i was lolling against a lamp-post out you came with another lady and got into a luggage brougham i say it was an awful job chasing that brown to paddington station the idea of your doing such a thing what an intolerable liberty she goes indignantly up to the gate where she stands with her back to him the mere idea of it oh to himself watching her admiringly i say she's glorious i and to think that i carried that up seven-and-twenty stairs she hates me for it but i've counted em to her lady noline there's a look in your shoulders that tells me you'd like me to explain why i followed you she quickly changes her position still averting her face the fact is i saw a strong likeness in you to that johnny the sort of likeness a big sister might bear to a cub of a brother and i felt an uncontrollable desire to have a jaw with you leaning against the trunk of the tree you know i didn't find out till an hour ago that we're cousins eyeing him furtively however marked the resemblance may be between me and the individual you picked up you will find it difficult to justify your pursuing a woman in this way wanting a jaw doesn't quite do it lady noline i thought if i could get five minutes chat with the girl who bears such a strong resemblance to that nice young fellow i could advise her to keep an eye on shall we call him her brother in future i thought i might through her save that nice young chap from some day falling into another difficulty when perhaps there would be no me to pick him up carefully and take him out of harm's way i thought perhaps i might convince him through her that the west end of london the worst end of london at night-time is not a locality where even a self-respecting cat may trust himself and this lady noline is how i come to trespass in overcote park to herself in a low voice he's not such a cad it's positively delicate of him to avoid referring to me point-blank 
He can't be an out-and-out cad. To Litterly, her tone slightly altered. I... I understand now the service you wish to render, and I... I... I quite appreciate your intentions. There's one other small matter. Taking a ring from his waistcoat pocket. That Johnny left his ring on my hearthrug. Eh? Oh! Examining the ring. On the old thing, it seems to be. They stand together for a time not speaking, he handling the ring, amused, she eagerly but irresolutely eyeing it. Then he offers it to her silently, and she slips it hastily into her pocket, putting her gun under her arm. You... you have taken a great deal of trouble. Pooh! Not worth talking about. Uh... Uh, good afternoon. As she is going, she meets Fitton, and says to him, Oh, you've come back for me, I suppose. Eyeing Litterly, and speaking to Noeline. Beg pardon, my lord, for interrupting. Litterly strolls away. Uh, Fitton, this is my cousin, Lord Litterly. A, a sort of accident has brought him into the park. Accidents will happen, my lord. My mother would be extremely angry if she knew— Joe, I don't think it's necessary to tell her about it. Oh, come on. Detaining her. My lord, it bain't no good going arter to others. What do you mean? Lord William and Lord Thomas and me worked round from plantations to Hexley Bottom, and just as we was all picking our way across the brook, darn me if we didn't fall over two other gentlemen. Joe. Rubbing his head. Odd rabbit it, if we get another shot this afternoon. Why, where are Lord Willie and Lord Tommy? Walking about with and talking to an Going to Litterly. Do you know anything of this? The keeper says there are two men in the park with my brothers, my sisters. Lord Tweenways and André de Grival. Oh. They're with me. I'm with them. We're with each other. Facing him indignantly. You. You. You are precisely what I first thought you. She runs off. Following her. No, I'm not. Lady Noeline, what is it you thought me? I say. Disappears after her. Calling after them. You won't find him there, I tell ee. They'll be away by Axley Bottom. Turning away. Oh, dang it. Boys will be boys, they do say. Lord, seems to me boys will be girls here in Overcoat Park. Wilhelmina enters below the hedge, followed by de Graval. To Fitton. Joe, have you seen Lord Noel? Pointing off. He's gone arter ye, my lord. We're another gentleman. Lord Latterby or some sitch. To de Graval. Lord Litterly is with Noel. Partly to herself. Then Noel can't be so very angry with me and Tommy. Taking Fitton aside. Fitton. Wilhelmina gives instructions to Fitton. Thomason enters from above the hedge, followed by Twinways. Leaning on the gate. Billy. Lord Tweenways and Monsieur de Greville will take tea with us, of course. Don't forget, extra cups and saucers to come down from the house. I am ordering them now. Stamping her foot. You're making me do everything. Come on, Tweenways. You must see our new Hereford bulls. She goes off. Hesitating at the gate. To himself. She will take me to the cattle. To de Graval. Get away from here as soon as you can. I'm coming back. 
My friend, you must find some other place to make your love in. I want it. In the distance. Tween ways. Oh. Going and saying to himself as he looks at de Graval indignantly. Insolent. Insolent. He follows Thomason. To Wilhelmina. Don't he be afeard, my lord. I'll make it all right with you at. To himself. You at don't get no more game out of me for his sister in London if he can't keep his mouth shut. Fiton disappears. Wilhelmina sits on the tree stump, and de Graval comes down and kneels by her side. Monsieur de Graval. Wilhelmina, ah, you are adorable. You are enchanting. You are perfect. Oh, you are, you are, you are pretty good. With her handkerchief to her eyes. Oh, it isn't kind of you to be so persistent. Faint heart never won a fair-haired young lady, don't you know? But nothing, nothing would ever reconcile my mother to your nationality. She shifts her gun from one knee to another, the muzzle chancing to point towards de Graval. My nationality, absurd trifle. Disconcerted by the presence of the gun. French by birth, yes, but English in my appearance. English in my... Rising, going behind Wilhelmina and kneeling on her left. French by birth, yes, but English in my appearance, manner, voice. Do I not play your games, your golf, your cricket? No, not your cricket. Do I not speak your proverbs? Set a thief to catch himself, all of them. Do I not say damn it all in the smoking room? Oh. No, I do not. You don't fully realize the extent of my mother's prejudice. According to her notion, a Frenchman can never be a thorough sportsman. How wrong the notion! For example, let her once see me riding in the paper chase. In the paper chase, nine out of ten, I am always, always in at the disease I... I assure you, that would weigh very lightly with my mother. Inadvertently, she again shifts her gun so that it points at de Graval's face. Oh, please, please give up hoping, Monsieur de Graval. Again uncomfortable. Give up hoping. Give up. Do you imagine? It is not possible. Rising, he takes the gun from Wilhelmina and places it against the opposite tree. Pardon me. Never play with edged guns. Tweenways enters quickly, followed by Thomason. Tweenways opens the gate to let Thomason through, then closes it sharply and looks off. Coming down to Wilhelmina. Tweenways has been admiring our Herefords. Knowingly. Has he? Ha <laughs> ha! I laugh. Eyeing de Graval witheringly. I would much like Monsieur de Graval to examine the Hereford balls. Ah! Perhaps Lady Wilhelmina? Going up to the gate. With pleasure. Monsieur de Graval? You honour me. Tweenways opens the gate. Wilhelmina passes through. De Graval follows, then returns for the gun, saying to himself, In case prevention is better than being run after. To Tweenways, insultingly in passing him. Don't you know? Falling back. Ah! Wilhelmina goes off, followed by de Graval. Then Tweenways climbs on to the gate, looking after them. Insolent! May they toss him like a common coin! Insolent! He joins Thomason, who is sitting on the stump, lighting a cigarette, offering him her cigarette case. 
Smoke. Thank you. No, we Fitzbrays do not smoke. How a man can exist without it puzzles me. We drink. No, what? Too much. Alternate generations have the drink bias very clearly defined. Where do you come in? The predilection skips me. My father was called Three Bottle Tweenways, but in one way and another, he made a good deal of history in his time. It must be a bad business to be a tippling Tweenways. Walking away, a little annoyed. Pardon me, we don't think so. Following him, I say, Tweenways, I'm still thinking over what you've told me about this fellow Litterly, following my brother Noel from town and intruding himself here. Pray dismiss the topic for the moment, Lady Thomason. For the third time, I love you. Oh, shut up, Tweeny. We, we are always listened to. Stamping her foot. Oh. She goes to the gate and leans upon it, with her back towards him, walking to and fro. Lady Thomason, it would be an easy task to discount on your beauty, your amiability, but when I express my conviction that my family would regard our engagement with favour, it seems to me I say everything. Heavens, what a test to apply to a woman, and yet you emerge from the ordeal unscathed. The Fitzbray legend runs, to himself. Dash it! How does it run? To herself. Of course, Tweeny's right. The fellow must have been simply attracted by Noel's face. Confound him! I've got it. Search the south and sweep the north. Scour the east and spoil the west. Speed your emissaries forth to the fairest and the best. Storm the city's topmost heights. Steal about the countryside. When every grace in one unites, you will have found a Fitzbray's bride. To herself. The mater's often told us that those other bell turbots are outsiders. Resuming his march. On the subject of my claims upon your esteem, my own mouth is necessarily closed. But there's a sentence in a letter I received yesterday from my sister, Lady Clondolphy. Searching for a letter, which perhaps you ought to finding it. Ah, he produces a letter and a large reading glass in a case, eyeing the reading glass. Hello, what's that machine? We have no sight to speak of. Reading. One thing, dearest Galfred, I would urge upon you to guide you in your quest of a woman fitted to figure with you in history's page. And that is the constant reflection that you preserve in your own person all that is noblest and best of the medieval spirit. Advancing to Thomason, Lady Thomason, look here, old man. We are delighted to see you here to tea while the mater's away to show you the Herefords and all that. But drop the rest. Even if I were inclined to turn myself into a girl, which I ain't, the mater wouldn't hear of anybody but a man with a chest that'd take you the best part of the afternoon to drive round. Putting away the letter and glass, can it be possible? However, we have never hesitated at self-sacrifice. If you could suggest an easy means of muscular development, by Jove, Tweeny, if you did want to show what you're made of, made of, this fellow Litterly, our cousin, who sneaks into our park after a pretty face, you could do it if you liked. Do what? You know a lot of bad language, naturally. My grandfather was called Round Oath Reginald. His swearing made history.
I know some, too, only the mater bars that. Well, when you come across Litterly again, you use yours, will you? To Litterly? Certainly. Tell him what we all think of his conduct. I... I should have little hesitation. Uh, in... Good man. Running across to the right. Hello. Eh? Eh? Here he is with Noel. Tweenways hazily makes for the thicket. No, no, not that way. Over here. Noeline and Litterly enter below the hedge, talking. Litterly carries Noeline's guns, which he ultimately places against the hollow tree. Embarrassed at encountering Thomason and Tweenways. Uh, Tommy, this is Lord Litterly. To Litterly. My brother, a sister, Thomason. Litterly bows to Thomason, who inclines her head stiffly and then turns her shoulder upon him. To Noel. My friend, Lord Tweenways. To Tweenways. My brother, Noel. Tweenways bows. Noeline returns his salute haughtily. Taking Thomason aside. Why do you treat Lord Litterly, a cousin, so very coolly? How dare he come here? He chances to be the young man who is useful to me in London. Gracious, the creature who dangled you like a baby. Be silent. He has the good taste to gloss over that. Where's Willie? With André de Greville. You're behaving like blackguards, both of you. Fetch your brother at once. Going through the gate. Certainly. Our friends have tea with us, you may like to hear. Oh, the idea of such a thing! Are you going to ask Litterly? It would be a marked impoliteness not to do so. I thought as much. I'll box your ears to-night. Noel, if you domineer when I get indoors, I—I—I'll be perfectly uncontrollable. Turning away. Impudent fellow. Thomason goes off. Tweenways advances towards Litterly who is sitting on the root of the tree, finding he is alone with Litterly. Ah, uh, Litterly, have you considered whether it is quite the act of a gentleman to, to rove about a place where, for family reasons, it is obviously, ah, uh, undesirable, eh? My dear chap, I haven't thought at all about it. Glaring at Tweenways. Have you? No, I haven't. He turns and goes through the gate irresolutely, looking to the right. Herefords! He quickly turns to the left and disappears. Noeline and Litterly approach each other rather constrainedly, looking at his watch. I say, Lady Noeline, is the 4.45 a decent train? You return by it? Bound to. I dine out tonight. Then I won't press you to wait for tea. Tea? Tea comes down from the hall directly. Hang the train. It's only a man's dinner. You mustn't disappoint your friends. Good-bye. He grips her hand tightly, and she cries out. Oh! What? Holding her wrist. I have a sprained wrist. Taking her hand again. I say, I am sorry. I am afraid I... Looking at a mark upon her wrist. Hello. What's that? Nothing. N. My initial. What's it doing there? I am sure you'll lose your train. Who put it there? Oh, when we were quite small boys, Willie and Tommy and I, we used to tattoo each other on wet days. 
The nearest way to the station. Looking at her wrist. By Jove! How did you manage it? Oh, dear, oh, dear! If you must know, there's a scrubby little plant with a scarlet sap growing here at Overcoat that does it. Walking about, looking upon the ground. It's early for it, but I dare say I can find you a sprout. Plucking a root. Yes, this is it, I believe. Breaking the stalk and showing it to him. There, you simply make punctures and paint them with the sap. He takes the sprig and examines it. The nearest way to Scrumley Station. Looking at his wrist, then at her. Would you mind carving something on me? I? Drawing herself up. Really? As I do, I say. Stamping her foot. What a maddening trick you have of saying I say. Forgive me for remarking it. I know it's a rotten habit. I say, I beg your pardon. I mean, if you'd write me just one little letter. Lord Litterly. On my wrist, it would remind me to drop saying, I say. I fear the habit must remain unchecked. She walks away and with her back to him, picks some more of the plant. To himself, pulling the sprig to pieces. She hates me like poison. She hates me not. She... I've half a mind to pay her out for snubbing me like this. I could do it too, if I chose to tell her of that trifling little circumstance I kept back. <laughs> Why shouldn't I? <laughs> she hates me like rats. She hates me not. Lady Noline. Not turning. Yes. I say, there's something on my conscience I should like to get rid of before I go. On your conscience? Well, when I told you the tale of my picking up that nice young fellow the night before last, I left out one little occurrence. You left out one little occurrence? It happened while his brain was wandering, just as we... But very likely you wouldn't think it belongs to the story. Perhaps you will give me the opportunity of judging. With pleasure. On one condition. What's that? Tapping his wrist. That you'll write me that letter. Certainly not. As a memorial of an awfully jolly adventure? And that would be the price of the omitted episode? Turning up his shirt cuff. The reserve price. I wouldn't pay it to buy the whole county. Turning down his shirt cuff. Episode bought in. Oh, you have really something to tell. Honour bright. I, I think your behaviour is infamous. Drawing a long silver pin from her hair and approaching him. You have no objection to this? Turning up his cough again. Delighted. She sits on the stump and he stands on her left, extending his wrist. What letter? N will do. I prefer any other letter, please. Oh, N stands for lots of things. N's for nothing. Oh. She makes the punctures, sitting beside her. You can't reach. As she makes the punctures. This will be a vile N, I promise you. Wincing. You must have been plucky kids to stand much of this. Becoming interested in her work. We were plucky kids, as you express it. Tommy especially. Tommy? I remember. 
It was on Tommy I used to make the most elaborate designs. Poor Tommy! And have those frescoes faded? I think you are the most inquisitive person I have ever met. Sorry. No, I wish they would die out. They occasion such serious inconvenience now. Do they? How? Oh, really, if you will know everything. When Thomason visits as a girl, it is impossible for her to appear to advantage at dances or any low-necked function. Sticking the hairpin in her coat. There. Robbing the broken stalk of the plant upon his wrist. I wish you joy of this N. They rise. Listening. I think the others are coming. What is it you left out of your story? Be quick, please. Turning down his cuff. I shouldn't have mentioned it. Only I think a chap who's fond of his mother must have a lot of good in him, and so it's no more than just to that Johnny. Fond of his mother? Explain yourself. Well, after I'd carried him up those seven-and-twenty stairs— Clenching her hands. Oh, yes. After I'd carried him up those stairs, I stopped for wind on the landing, and it was then that nice young fellow sighed and groaned and put his arm around my neck. He didn't. And called me mother in a whisper. He didn't know what he was up to, of course, but it showed his good instincts. Any—anything more? One thing more. I couldn't stop his doing it, you know. My own arms were engaged. Stop his doing what? As he said good-night, mother, in a dreamy way, he kissed me. That's the incident. When's tea? Oh! Oh! She turns upon him fiercely, deeds him a sounding blow upon his ear, and walks away, looking after her. Does the invitation to tea still hold good? Wilhelmina, de Graval, and Thomason come through the gate. With de Graval timidly. Noel, may I introduce Monsieur de Graval? Advancing to Noel gallantly. Lady Nolin, I am charmed to be here and not ask. Opening the gate. The tea? Look sharp, Yote. Don't go to sleep, Fitton. Litterly is presented to Wilhelmina. Uat and Fitton enter through the gate, carrying a large square basket and some camp-stools. They open the basket and arrange the tea-things on the tree-stump, Thomason assisting while Litterly busies himself in placing the camp-stools. After the tea is laid, Uat removes the basket and takes up a position by the gate. Fitton goes off. To Uat while tea is being laid. What's the matter with you, Yote? wagging his head. Oh, my lord, what are we all a-coming to? We're all a-coming to tea directly. Oh, the disgrace to the park. Yote, if you ever breathe a word to a soul. Don't think it to me, my lord. To Thomason, who is carrying camp-stools. I say, let me help. Glaring at him. Thanks, awfully. To himself. The little un's no friend of mine. To herself. Impudent interloper. To himself. Rude little mess of tattoo. Tea, tea, come along, Noel. Sit down, Willie. There you are, Monsieur de Greville. The girls sit upon the camp-stools, the men upon the ground, Noel pouring out tea with Litterly on her left. 
Thomason is in the centre, with Wilhelmina and de Graval on her right. To himself. Ah, a sad stain on the park. To Noeline, wrapping his handkerchief round his wrist. You observe I am stopping to tea? I can hardly avoid doing so. Ah, please don't draw attention to your wrist in that way. Putting his handkerchief away. I say, did my cousin Thomasin tingle like this when she was frescoed? Wincing. Oh! Looking about. Where's Tweenways? Yes, where's Tweeny? Where is my friend Tweenways? Lord Tweenways! Lord Tweenways! Hola! Tweeny! Tweenways! In the distance. Coming! He crawls out of the thicket. Tea! Sitting. Thank you. Ewart comes and hands the tea. Quietly to Tweenways. Tweeny, have you spoken your mind to Litterly yet? I thought of waiting till I get him in town. We always deliberate before expressing our views. Well, then, you must arrange with me exactly what you're going to say. Look here, will you and André de Grieville come up to the hall tonight when it's dark and have a quiet chat about it with Willie and me? Come up to the hall? Not to the door, of course. You'll have to lower yourselves through a skylight. I'll write you out instructions. Tweenways produces a letter, tears off the half-sheet, and gives it to Thomason, who writes on it with pencil. There is the sound of the loosening of a string of Wilhelmina's guitar in the hollow of the tree. Starting up. Ah, uh, what? A string of my guitar. Taking the guitar case from the tree. Oh, you play, you sing. No, no. Taking the guitar from the case. Lady Nolan, my dear Barrington, Tweenways, persuade. Handing the guitar to Wilhelmina. Don't you know? Lady Wilhelmina? Do, Willie. Ah, uh, if you like. Wilhelmina strikes a chord. To himself, breathing. We loathe music. Wilhelmina sings a simple song in two verses. At the end of the first verse. I say, charming. Ah, bravo, bravo, pretty good. Quietly to Ewart, giving him the note she has written. Take this to Monsieur de Grieville. Ewart gives the note to de Graval, who reads it. Wilhelmina sings the second verse of the song and is applauded. Quietly to Tweenways. I've given André de Grieville written directions how to... how to call upon us. Glaring at de Graval. Why to him? Don't you like him? We, we are accustomed to take the lead in such matters. To everybody. Any more tea? Lord Tweenways, Lord Litterly, Monsieur de Gibral? The men decline. Noeline rises, and they all follow. Tweenways quietly disappears. Noeline and Litterly stand together. Fiton re-enters. He and Ewart replace the tea-things in the basket, fold the camp-stools, and finally deposit them on the basket. Then Ewart goes off through the gate, and Fiton goes away to the left. Lady Noeline, permit me to thank you for a most delightful day. Delightful. You are still nursing your arm, I see. My arm is exceedingly painful. I wouldn't lose a throb of it. I... I struck you, I'm afraid. There's a singing in my ear, but it's your voice. Perhaps I... 
I ought to apologise for losing my temper. Please forget it. No, don't deprive me even of the recollection of your temper. To de Graval, who is replacing the guitar in the tree. Good-bye, Monsieur de Graval. No, no, he's coming up to the hall by and by with Tweeny to have a smoke and a chat with you and me. Tommy! Now, boys, where are the guns? The guns are collected, and Wilhelmina, Thomason, and Noelin stand together, guns in hand. We've just time to walk through Silverthorn Coppice before dusk. Taking her place between Wilhelmina and Thomason. Gentlemen, a final word. Looking round. Where is Lord Tweenways? Tweenways. Tweeny. Tweenways, my friend. Tweenways. Tweenways enters from below the hedge. A red flush suffuses his nose and cheeks. Oh, dear. Queer, Tweeny. We ought never to take tea. Gentlemen, my brothers and I bid you good afternoon. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. We have been extremely wrong in receiving you here. Yes. You are almost equally to blame for permitting us to do so. Ah, yes. No doubt about that. We ask you to forget that you have entered Overcoat Park. In a few hours the grass will revive where you have trodden. Let that be a hint to your memories. Now be kind enough to leave the park at once. Good-bye. The men advance together and shake hands with the girls. Thanks for a splendid time. Most interesting day. Ah, I have liked myself here. The men return to their places, raising their hats as the girls go through the gate. Where's Fitton? Joe. He'll follow. Come, boys. They disappear. Sunset appears. Litterly sits thoughtfully. Tweenways and de Graval stand together, eyeing him. To Tweenways. What to do? How to give Barrington the slip? We simply leave the park now with him and walk to the station. Don't you know? It will be easy to invent an excuse for our not sharing his compartment. For instance, he will smoke. Ah, necessity is the mother of objecting to a smoking carriage. Just as the train is starting, we two get out and speed back to Overcoat. My friend, how quick the brain! We are seldom at a loss. Advancing to Litterly. You catch the next train, I presume, Litterly. Oh, I catch it or lose it. To himself. She's glorious. De Graval and I catch it. Good luck, old chaps. To himself. She's splendid. It would have been pleasant for us to have finished the day together. Don't bother about me. I may stroll about and go back later. De Graval and Tweenways retire and consult together. To Tweenways. What to do? We are seldom at a loss. Your plan has broken up. Dash it! Manage it yourself! Coming to Litterly. My dear Barrington, our word to the ladies. Honest is the best way out of the park. Taking Tweenway's arm. Tweenway's and I now go. Rising. Oh? Which way? The way we entered. All right. Run along. Which way do you? The way I entered. Waving his hand. See you soon. Waving his hand. A pleasant picnic together. Goodbye. Taking out a cigarette. Ta-ta. Glaring at Litterly. 
He drops us. Insolent! Tweenways and de Graval go off, arm in arm, below the hedge. Litterly espies Thomason's note, which de Graval has dropped by the tree. Picking up the note. Hello? Reading. Dear Monsieur de Graval, I am asking you and Tweenways to come up to the hall when dark, to see me and Billy, and to talk about snubbing this horrid Litterly, who no one excepting Noel likes poking his nose about our park. Illiterate little beast! We can't entertain you tip-top, as it must be in our old shut-up schoolroom, but there will be a decent weed, and— Please heaven slows in brandy. The following is the way in. Looking after Tweenways and Digraval. Confound em. Skirt the lawn and make for east wing clamber on to the red-tiled lean-to outhouse. From there on to roof of dwarf tower. Find the skylight, lift up skylight and drop through. Wait in the dark till we turn up. Tweeny has accepted. Keep your eye on him when on the roof, as he is a bit gone over at the knees. Yours up to date, T. Beltabet. Designing little massive tattoo. I say, by Jove, I'll play the deuce with these fellows. De Graval runs up, scared hatless and disordered. My dear Barrington. Slipping the note into his pocket. Hello. We have encountered not a pirate. No, no, a poacher. We are hurt. Where's Tweenways? Tweenways enters. His hat is crushed down over his eyes. His clothes are torn. And generally he presents evidence of having been engaged in a struggle. Embracing Tweenways. My friend. Pulling de Graval away. What have they been doing to you, Tweeny? Just as we got to the brook, great hulking brute, putting down nets, never heard such language in my life, wanted to know why an honest man wasn't allowed to earn a living. I said we never answered questions of that sort. My head. Yes, yes, the wretch knocked de Graval's head against mine. Twice. Three times. Possibly. I left off counting. Luckily, somebody came up and enabled us to get away. A poaching beast come on you chaps detaining literally no no don't interfere he's choking the keeper literally runs off oh it's a filthy park leaning against a tree my head is a very bad one feeling his leg we can't stand being knocked about heavens this limb is injured did you see me kick him kick him the poacher. I thought I had broken him. Fool! That was my leg. Orts, a most forbidding-looking rustic, emerges from the thicket, turning. Ah! There he be again. Get he out of my way. Flinging de Graval to the ground and dealing tweenways a blow which knocks him down. I be a poor agricultural labourer. Give me all the gold you got, Oni. Emptying his pockets. Oh, this is an atrocious park. Giving his money to Orts. Go away. Farming be bad in these parts, I tell ye. This be ain't all. We never carry much loose money. 
Then I'll blacken thy other eye for ye. My friend changed the note this morning. Try my friend. Orts turns to de Graval, who commences to search for his money. To de Graval. I tell ye I be thoroughly deserving thy gold. Litterly enters from below the hedge, followed by Fitton. He seizes Orts and pinions him from behind. Your belt, Fitton. Do you know the scoundrel? Fitton takes a strap from his waist, and he and Litterly secure Orts's arms. John Orts, my lord, a poacher since he were a babby. I be the sole support to me mother, I be. Not a single Sunday morning service have I missed at Scrumley Church this ten year. Now then, Fitton, what shall we do? If we make police business of this, my lord, it'll come out there's been some rakes about the park after our young gentleman. Folks will be talking. That's true. Better run the scoundrel off the place and have done with him. Another moment and I should have had his name and address. To Fitton. Pat my friends on their legs. To Orts. Get on. Going. I were at the church choir five years, singing like a cherry bim. He disappears, literally following him. Raising Tweenways. Hey, thy left eye be a rummin. Tweenways sits on the stump of a tree. His eye is slightly discoloured. Fitton picks up de Graval, almost in tears. Heavens, what a park! To Fitton. A doctor very near? Tell me. If it be only bruises, sir. Bowser, High Street Scrumley, chemist and druggist. To Tweenways. My friend, let us go and be drugged. Looking at Tweenways, who rises. Ah, a great change in you. We scar quickly. Taking his arm. It is a wise father who knows his own friend when he has such a bad eye. Tweenways and de Graval disappear. After a brief pause, de Graval returns, calling to Tweenways. In a moment I come after you. To fit on hurriedly. Mister, what your name? I did not rescue you from that pirate, that poacher. Touching his cap. No, sir, that I swear you didn't. No, but it would not hurt you to swear I did. Well, sir. Listen to me. Taking a handful of money from his pocket, Tweenways, re-entering unperceived, steals down suspiciously and stands behind de Graval and Fitton, listening. You go to Lady Wilhelmina directly at once. Giving him money. One sovereign, you tell her of this affair. Giving him money. Two pound, you say I found that poacher strangling your throat. Giving him money. Another, you tell Lady Wilhelmina I kick him, I rescue you, I kick you. No, no, I kick him again. I save your life, ah, bravely. Giving him more money. Don't you know? Coming between Fitton and de Graval. Monsieur de Graval. Ah. Permit me to say that, if any representation of this kind is made, I, I must be. In it? Tweenways bows with dignity. I have no objection. To Fitton. You will see Lady Thomason as well as Lady Wilhelmina. Searching his pockets. Monsieur de Graval and I found the poacher choking you. This gentleman and I... I, at great personal risk, preserved your... Heavens! That villain has my money! Ah! Uh, Producing money and offering it to Tweenways. I loan you. To himself, hesitating. 
Can I? Taking the money and giving it to Fiton. You understand? Touching his cap. Yes, my lord. Tweenways moves away. To Fiton, pointing to Tweenways. We now save your life, both of us. Ah, bravely. Don't you know? I know, sir. Going to Tweenways. We reconcile each other. Tweenways reluctantly extends two fingers. De Gaval cheerfully takes his arm again. My friend! They go off. It is now dusk. Counting his money. Dang it, it won't do me no hurt telling a few lies about him. Two, three, four. Litterly re-enters. Where are my friends, Fitton? Pocketing the money. Oh, they be just gone. To himself, chuckling. By Jove, I mean to play old Harry with him. Hi. <gasps> Sitting and holding his arm. Oh, I say. Twisted thy arm, Lord. Taking out his pocket handkerchief. Fitton, wrap this handkerchief round my wrist as tightly as you can. To himself. Oh, oh these fellows. Looking at Litterly's arm. Eh, the scoundrel's hurty. No, no, Lady Dolene was kind enough to do that with a hairpin and a red root that grows about the park. Lady Nolene and I are cousins, you know, Fitton. Go on. A red root that grows hereabouts. Yes. Putting his foot on a piece of the root which lies on the ground. Here's a bit of it. Picking up the root. That. In the distance, calling. Joe! Hello! Fitton! Going to the gate. The young gentlemen be on their way back to the hall. Litterly hastily conceals himself behind a tree. Noeline enters. Stopping at the gate. Fitton, why do you leave us like this? To Noeline, over the gate. Excuse me, my lord. Showing the sprig he has in his hand. Be that the weed you've been rubbing young Lord Litterly's arm with? Who told you anything about that? Take my gun, I'm going home. My lord, this be the wrong stuff, I tell ye. Eh? The red root hasn't grown here at Overcoat many a year. This air be crimson snakewort. It be a rank bad poison, they do tell me. Coming through the gate. Fitton! Looking towards the tree. Shh! Fitton, you don't mean to say I really hurt my cousin's arm? Lord, literally, my lord. Noeline sees literally. Fitton goes quietly away. Literally advances to Noeline. Oh, Lord, literally! I say, here's a game. A game? Don't stand there looking at me. Get out of the park. Why did you ever come here? Go, go to Dr. Flack at Great Overcoat. Don't you hear me? Shaking him. Run, run to Dr. Flack. Why, I've never been to a doctor in my life. You must now. Clinging to him. Oh, oh. Supporting her soothingly. Don't, don't. Ah, I know how to hold you. Getting away. How dare you? I, I hate you. Do you? Then I swear to go to no doctor. Pshaw, what do I care? It serves you right. Going up to the gate and opening it, while he sits whistling. Then, hesitating and returning to him. Lord Litterly. Hello. Won't anything make you go to the doctor? Yes. Tell me you don't hate me. After a pause. I don't hate you. 
He rises and clasps her in his arms. Thomason and Wilhelmina enter, followed by Fitton. At the gate. No! Noeline and Litterly separate, meeting Litterly and speaking fiercely. What do you mean by this? Ha <laughs> ha! Cousin Tommy! He throws his arms around Thomason and kisses her. Ah! He runs off, rubbing her face vigorously with her handkerchief and speaking to Noeline. You! You! Do you call yourself a man? No. I'm a girl. I don't want to be anything else. She runs off through the open gate. Wilhelmina, Thomason, and Fitton remain looking after her. End of the second act.